0: You're listening to Blissful Prospecting, and today we're talking to Tom Short, CRO at Lappin180 about the mindset of an elite sales performer. Mindset's one of those things that I haven't really talked about much on this podcast outside of I think dealing with rejection we've probably talked about because we've talked about cold calling. And it's not that I don't think mindset's important. I think it's extremely important. It's just that a lot of the content out there on mindset is, you know, it's pretty hokey pokey in my opinion. And it's not really that tactical. And it has a lot to do with keeping a positive mindset. And I just, I don't really like any of that stuff. I feel like the positive mindset thing is completely overdone. And I'm not saying that you should be negative or think about, you know, negative things all the time. But I was one of those people for a long time in my life, I forced down a lot of the things that I was having challenges with, or things that were making me sad or feel lonely or whatever it might be. And that was really unhealthy for me. So I don't really like the positive mindset, you know, kind of stuff. I do like stuff that I've learned in therapy and like psychology, you know, learning how to process your emotions, because you know, that not only helps you empathize with people, but it also helps you, you know be healthier. You know, your mental health is really important too. So I am a fan of that stuff, but the topic we're going to talk about today is the mindset of elite performers. And I'm really excited to talk to our guest Tom Short. And if you're tuning into the podcast for the first time, my name is Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting. And my goal in this podcast is to help you think outside the script in your prospecting approach and help you use proven tactics and strategies to set more meetings with your ideal clients. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about mindset today. So Tom is CRO at Lapin 180, and they're a really cool sales training firm. And he's got a really awesome career that we're going to talk about. But he's got this really cool story about how he used to be a Division I basketball ref, so really highest level of competition in terms of college athletics um, in basketball. He coached Kobe Bryant and got to hang around a lot of those elite NBA athletes. And he has got some really good stories there that he's going to talk about. We're also going to dig into what an elite mindset looks like. So how can you translate what athletes and performers use into your sales routine? And he's also going to walk us through a routine that he uses and teaches to get in the zone every morning. And it's a five-part routine that's that's really cool. So I learned a lot in this one. Before we get into the interview, make sure to do a couple things here. Check out the show notes at blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast. They'll have all the links from the show. The other thing, too, is we just started a community, so if you're looking to connect with other like-minded sales reps, because prospecting is one of those things I always say that it's, it's hard, but you don't got to do it alone, so if you're looking to get more support and get feedback on your emails and that sort of thing, we do have a community that's pretty cool, and there's a really awesome course in there that's got stuff on the reply method and how to send better cold outreach, so make sure to check that out you can just go to blissfulprospecting.com, click join the community there. It's on the very top of the website. And without further ado, let's get into the interview. One of the things that we were talking about before I hit record here, and I actually yeah. listened to the podcast that you were referring to, is that, so you just got done being a referee for Division One basketball? Yeah. Is that what it was?
1: Yeah, so for the past, um, actually since I was 19, I, I was refereeing. And then got into division one at 26 and, and had a, had a 10 year run. And just with some family stuff and, and, and personal um, career um, Mm -hmm. opportunities, just decided to, that it was, it was, it was, it was time for a a change of scenery, if you will, but uh, a lot of great uh, memories, a lot of great friends and uh, some really interesting uh, perspectives from the world of sports, if you will. So,
0: so this is something you're just doing on the side, like for fun to make a little extra money or what?
1: Yeah. So it started as uh, to take you back when I was in grade school, I was a hothead. I probably led like the sixth grade league in technicals. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got their claim to fame. That's mine. Uh, but I always appreciated the referees that were human and weren't robots. And so they would at least like tell you what you did wrong. You might not like it, but I appreciated that. And I was like, man, that's really cool at five foot seven, MBA was never uh, an opportunity in the future. And so as I just got older in grade school and high school, I, I knew a couple of family friends who were high school referees and a couple that were college. And I said, Hey, this is kind of cool. Let me check it out. So yeah, it started out as just, Hey, at, at 18, 19, here's a way to make 150 bucks over the weekend. Great, you know, beer money during college. And then once I started to see, Hey, this, this, might have some potential. There, there could be some links to this as far as the college route. Um, then I got into that and, and it became a little more serious. But yeah, it's, it's mostly for a majority of us. It's just a very well-paid hobby on the side. There's only about 20 to 30 um, guys in Division One that that's all they do. Um, but for the most of us, for the rest of us, I should say, um, there was another career that just you had the flexibility to work on the road, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Do you have a favorite game or favorite player or anyone
1: like that that you get to ref for? Um, Happy to share the Kobe story. Um, I think that's kind of the the story that everybody um, always, always goes to. Um, So as you mentioned, Division I basketball the last 10 years also did FIBA, which is the international basketball Mm -hmm. um, for several years. And so in FIBA, you can only work or I should say in a real competition, you can't work your home country but like in exhibition games and, and games leading up to like the Olympics more times than not, they, the American referees work those games. Um, not saying anything like uh shooting our own horn, but in, as far as when it comes to like basketball officiating, like we have the best product. So we tend to have the best referees. Yeah. So anyway, 2012 um, Olympic team. And for all any sports enthusiasts out there, let me see if I can run through the roster real quick, because it was a who's who of basketball. So the starting lineup was LeBron, Kobe, Carmelo Chris Paul and uh Tyson Chandler that was a starting five okay the second five okay and this is when they were still teammates Russell Westbrook James Harden Kevin Durant Darren Williams and Kevin Love okay Blake Griffin was on the team he got hurt in Vegas right before and Andre Iguodala was on the bench so they bring in some guy I don't know if you've ever heard of him Anthony Davis right like it's like (laughs) oh wait We're down to our 12th man. Who should we get? Well, this kid was just drafted. Number one, let's bring him in. So Anthony Davis comes in. So up until this point, Jason, I've only refereed college basketball. I've never had any pro experience, right? I've got a lot of friends who are NBA referees. So I'm calling them. I'm like, Hey, what can I expect? You know, give me the breakdown, much like a coach does scouting. I'm like, you know, tell me about the players. What can I expect? And so when I say this practice was the hardest thing I've ever refereed, like, I, mean, I just listed those twelve guys. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. But the thing that really opened my eyes was even at that level of of top. And I think this is where people can see some correlation in sales. Even at the highest level, there's another level. And what do I mean by that? The truly elite in any profession, whether it's an actor, whether it's uh, sports, whether it's in sales and advisor, they're grateful for what they have, but they realize there's never a finish line, right? Like there's always you're always striving for more. And it's and it's not external, it's internal and like what can I do better? And I know that sounds cliche and you'll hear people go around like, oh, just get better like 1% every day. But like when I say that being around Kobe, like that's what it was. And that was the first time I really opened my eyes and said like there's always another level. Right. Like there's you just have this mindset of how can I keep pushing myself? Like how can I be better? And I'm not worried about what's going on around me, right? Like I'm not worrying about all the stuff I can't control. I'm going to go in and and with the right mindset and I'm going to take it to the next level. So a quick story, um, not to get too off, off track here. One quick comment I have though on this, because you said Kevin Love,
0: I played all-star base little league baseball against him in fourth grade because he's from Oregon. I'm from Oregon. So I've lived in a town called Roseburg. And okay. I remember when he was in fourth grade, he was like the kid hitting home runs, right?
1: Oh, I'm in sure. Sixth
0: yeah. grade, I shit you not, he was six foot four, had a size thirteen shoe. He hit a home run off one of our pitchers <laughs> off the handle of the bat. It like doinked off the handle and just went over the fence. And That's but when I saw him, up. I was like, there was, and there were also, uh, um, who's the dude on the Nuggets? Not Steph. Now or, or not, the Nuggets. Nuggets. Uh, sorry, Golden State. You can tell I don't really pay attention, too close of attention. Clay Thompson? Clay Thompson was on that team too. Wow. I played little league How baseball against both of them in sixth grade. Isn't that crazy?
1: <laughs> Kevin Love is the <laughs> dorkiest
0: wild. kid I'd ever seen. I never thought, oh, this guy's yeah. going to be in the NBA.
1: Yeah, NBA all star. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. I wild. said to throw that in there. That's wild. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, so the, the practice I'm referring to before the game was close to the media. Um, It was just team personnel, the team and us. Right. And and I mentioned the starting five and who they're playing against in in the second starting five. So the the story about Kobe is um, the the first seven possessions he scores and Russell Westbrook's guarding him. And he's not talking trash to Russell Westbrook he's talking trash to Kevin Durant and James Harden saying like your, your teammate is like, he's just done have it today. And he's like, he's not joking. Like he's like, he's in this mentality of like, I'm just like, it's me against me against the world. Right. So it was just a knockout drag out practice. Like I never refereed anything close to that in college. And so afterwards, and this is really, again, little things that started to open my mind. They 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 opened the doors about a three hour practice Jason and now the media is coming in and and this is when Kobe went to work right so he did everything everything he did on the right side of the court he did with his right hand and his left hand and then everything that he did on the left side of the court he did with his right hand and his left hand so everything it was a balance right and he went he did this for an hour and a half this is after a three hour like grueling practice and so that kind of goes into I'm always amazed that people you know in our business and coaching, how many people say like oh i don't i i I don't need a coach or i don't uh you know I don't need to practice and it's like no, like Tiger Woods has a swing coach like kobe you know Kobe took it to another level, but that was really opened my eyes back in two thousand and twelve that the elite in anything they always number one they have a different mindset, completely different mindset, and number two, there's never like a feeling right like there's always like we're always they're always striving for something else and that's what pushes them. They're never they're never satisfied with with success. So this is so an interesting That's my Kobe story.
0: No, that's super cool, man. This is a really yeah. interesting topic to me because I I str- I struggle with the back and forth of Michael Jordan for example to me is a example of a really unhealthy version of what you're talking about right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you consume any information on Michael Jordan, which I'm a Michael Jordan fanatic, I don't necessarily follow the NBA as much anymore, but unhealthy to the point of if you beat him in Monopoly, there's a famous story of him getting so pissed off and like kicking the table over a game of Monopoly, right? And not Mm -hmm. really being there as a parent and a you know husband, all that good stuff. And then you hear about Kobe, and I get Kobe had his little thing that happened, but what you hear about Kobe is, oh, family man, like you know, took a helicopter, which was unfortunately the, you know, the way he passed, but took a helicopter to work right. so that he could cut down the commute time to spend more time with his family. Got up really yep. early in the morning, do this workouts. And so where's the balance, do you think, yeah. in being elite and having this mindset and being kind of crazy, uh, <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better way of saying it, and and out of balance? And I think balance yeah. is something that's internal. let it's different for everyone, but what, what's your take on that?
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, to your point, um, Tom Brady has, has a famous quote that, you know, and I'm going to butcher it, but something to the effect of like, I know I'm going to be better than you because I'm willing to sacrifice more. Right. And that's, I don't, what's, what's the right answer, Jason, right? Like to your point, like what, what might be, you know, crazy and wild to you, to me seems, seems normal. Right. I, but, To that point, there's, you know, you've got to have a mindset when you do things to actively engage in them. It can't just be haphazardly. And I would say, if that is your approach, that is your mindset. Like everyone has a mindset. It's either you're setting your mindset or you're letting others determine your mindset. So I don't know if there's, you know, that's a great question. I don't know if there's a healthy balance. It's probably different for everybody. People at different parts of their career, you know, if you have kids, we just had a kid, like you know, some priorities change. So you have to, and to your point about Kobe, it's like, okay, now I've pushed my morning routine up a little earlier so that you know I can get through that and have my time alone, so that now I can spend time with my daughter, you know, before I you know go into the office and 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 start my day. So there's always going to be different priorities for everyone, but I would just say at the end of the day, everyone has a mindset. It's just whether you choose to create your own or you're letting others create it for you.
0: I mean that's like the first step, it seems like, in having a mindset for sales at least, and this elite performance mindset because yep. sales is one of those few professions where you're measured based on your your output and, and the results. Yep. Every almost yep. every other profession is not measured in that way. So you have to yep. show up. I guess what I what I'm seeing and hearing from you and is it's kind of one of two, I guess, three camps. You show up and do your job as a salesperson, you do nothing more, and you zone out and you do mm-hmm. all that other stuff. There's one that's, hey, sales is not my life and making as being as successful of a salesperson as I can is not everything to me, but I'm here, I'm doing it, I'm going to every give everything I have while I'm at work doing it, and I put in my mm-hmm. 40 hours a week. And then you have people that really go above and beyond that. But let's yep. dig into this elite mindset. So what, what are some of the yep. other things when you think about mindset that pertain to sales? Cause, and the reason why I wanted to interview you, by the way is cause I think it's fascinating to have another conversation with a sales trainer and a sales coach and like a company that sure. does that because we get to see a lot of variety of all kinds of different yeah. things across companies. But what are you yes. seeing and what are you teaching in terms of elite mindset in terms of sales?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'll, 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 share an, an example of something we do with um, new clients. And I think it kind of, to your point, how you just laid out those three different levels to kind of put things in perspective of sports. So we do this exercise. It'd be kind of cool to do it with you too. I'll, I'll just ask you the first part of it sure. and not to Coach put me. you on the spot here. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. It just, it just really opens your eyes. Right. I think the first yeah. thing with an elite mindset, people are always, um, you know, growth mindset, elite and growth. Like, Hand in hand, they're always looking. How can I level up? Like, how can I get better? What can I do? Like, what's one thing? But so anyway, we do this exercise, um, and I'll ask you. It can be a, an athlete, a performer, uh, a musician. Like, if I were to say, Jason, just when when you think elite performer, like, who's the person that comes to mind for you?
0: It's a combination of like on the athletic side, it's Michael Jordan, and then on the music okay. side, it's Eddie Van Halen, is someone I'm a huge fan of. That okay. This is a guy that spent 16 hours a day playing guitar. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So let's go with Michael, just for the sports analogy. Sure. You know, being the the former official, but so we'll we'll ask people to um, make four columns on a on a piece of paper. So leading up to their quote unquote big game, right? So for Michael, it might have been um a NBA Finals game, or it could have just been a game, right? But his game, right? So. First column is what is what is Michael doing the days, weeks, and months ahead of of the game, right? That's first column. Second column is in this exercise will take a while, so we'll just kind of briefly go through it. Second column is um, what is he doing the morning of his you know big game. Uh, third column, what is he doing during the game, and then the final column, what is he doing post game, right? So we'll start, and you'll go around the room. You'll get all sorts of you know you'll get Justin Timberlake. You'll get um, you know Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning being from Indy. I mean, you'll just you'll get everything right. So then we'll ask everyone. Okay, go through each of those four columns and write down everything you think that that person. So for you, I'd say you know for Michael Jordan, what's Michael doing days, weeks, months ahead? What's he doing morning of? What's he doing day or during? And then what's he doing post game? Right. And so starting on the first column, you know, film review, nutrition. Um, mindset, tapping into a why, um, you know, all like getting clarity on like his schedule, like what like what is he saying no to? That's another just quick tidbit. Elite performers say I'm not making this set up. They say no to yes, an average of seven thousand times to one. So they're saying no seven thousand times for every time they're saying yes to something. So let that sink like think about that. Wow. They're saying no to a heck of a lot more than they're saying yes to. But anyway, So that's kind of days, weeks, months before. Then what are they doing morning up, right? There's probably some sort of visualization, um, getting into a routine, probably has a process defined, maybe a little film review, probably, you know, warming up before the game, breaking, you know, breaking a sweat. Again, probably tapping into his why again. Then during the game, right? Like what's he doing during the game? Elite performers, probably not getting too high, not getting too low, probably staying pretty neutral, regardless of what happens, like, it really doesn't mean anything yet and, and until the end of the game. And along those lines, not worried about the outcome, right? And that's, that's something we could have a whole other episode on of, of people focusing on outcomes in sales when they should be focused on what, what, what do I need to do right now today? So that's what elite people are doing during the big game. And then post-game, right? What are they doing? Or oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's during. Okay, so neutral, um, staying in the moment. Um, all the things I just said. So then post game, you know, Pete Carroll's great about this. He says, whether win or lose, you've got 24 hours, um, to either celebrate or kind of sulk in your misery. And then after that, it's like, we gotta move on. We we don't have time to sit here and celebrate for weeks or, you know, you know, pout for weeks either. So, um, and then there's an evolution. The elite are going to realize, okay, if we won great, I can still learn something. And if we didn't win, there's always something to learn when you don't win right so there's going to be some of that probably going back and reflecting probably some film review all right so we say all that right and then so kind of the question at the end is why don't we do that in sales right like if yeah. you want to be like truly elite and and say like the game is you're a meeting a first meeting or just making calls for the day right i think so many times people just just pick up the phone or just send an email and to your point, they're in you know, one of those three boats where they're just like, ah, it is what it is, or I'm going to put in my 40 hours and just kind of send emails and make calls. But like, what are, what are the truly elite doing? And I, that's where I think you start to see the separation. Like, they're moving with a purpose. Like, everything is done with a purpose. It's not just haphazardly. And I'm not saying getting to a distorted view, the level of like Michael Jordan but like everything you do should have a purpose when you move, like move with a purpose. We always say that in officiating is like everything you do, like move with a purpose, right? Everything you're doing in sales, move with a purpose. And so I think that's really what um, separates the elite is like, they're always planning and like, they've got a process that they're staying in and they're not worried about the outcome because at the end of the day, the outcome is going to happen. The only thing you can control is, is your process and how you're staying in the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a tough one. I would think easier to do in sales than in sports. I always had a tough because I played basketball. That was always tough because yeah. you put so much into winning, you know. And mm-hmm. um, okay, so I like this. So these four parts, yeah. these four columns. How would that apply to an elite salesperson? So what? What is what is an elite salesperson preparing for? That's more like long term. That's distant. Like what are some of the things that they're doing? Yeah, to stay sharp. Uh, Great learn.
1: question. I, yeah. One example I'll share with you uh, for me personally, and this isn't you know anything proprietary, but just on a daily basis, um, like the mindset that I get into, right? I've got a two page, it's, it's on my wall here at home and I've, I've got it at the office too. But every day, you know, first thing in the morning, like this is something I'm reading out loud to myself to get into my mindset, right? Like I'm always going to visualize people that we could potentially help. In, in your world, in my, anyone in sales, right? Like who are you, you know, if, if, if you and I were going to call someone, Jason, like who's that person, like who's, who's struggling with a problem that we can solve? Like I visualize that person, like I visualize that person, like struggling with what we could potentially solve. I'm not saying we're a fit for everyone. Like don't, don't like mistake for what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, I visualize there are people, cause that's reality, right? There are people out there that could, Potentially use what we have. So I start with you know a visualization of that. Um, then I read this story about George Clooney. It's about three paragraphs. Have you ever read The Obstacles Away by Ryan Holiday? Oh, definitely. By chance? Yep. Okay. So you you might know this story. Uh, some of your audience might not, but you know in the beginning George Clooney when he was um, in Hollywood he wasn't getting a lot of gigs, right? And his whole perspective when he was showing up to these auditions was. I got to solve my problems, right? And what are my problems? You know, getting, getting an acting deal. What are, what are salespeople's problems? Getting meetings, closing deals, right? Like they were. he was looking at it from his perspective of, I've got to solve my problems. And he wasn't getting any deals. And so after a few years, he realized, I've got to change my perspective. And when he flipped his perspective to realize, and I think this is where salespeople listening can, can take note, is that when he switched his perspective, And realized that the producers and directors, they've got a challenge because they've got to find somebody to fit their role. When he switched his perspective and realized that those people, he's solving, potentially, he's solving their problem. That's when his whole mindset shift, right? Like he wasn't walking into these auditions and thinking, oh, uh, you know, I'm trying, I really need this gig. I need this shot at this. He was like, no, I might help this person today, right? Like I owe it to them to give my best to be present because I could potentially help them with their problem. Again, not his, not our problem in sales. How can we potentially help someone else? Easier said than done, no question. But when you can have that perspective and that constant reminder of, of any conversation I engage in, you know, how and if I can help this person, not, Hey, here's, here's why I'm great. And here's why, you know, you should talk to me. Like that's when, that's when you move the needle. And so that's part of my perspective, part of my mental mindset that I'm doing every day. And then there's four other things. Um, The last four that I'll share with you. um, First is zero expectations, right? If I'm engaging in a conversation face-to-face, if I meet you at a networking event, Jason, or I'm calling you on the phone or I'm sending you an email, I have zero expectations of an outcome. I really do. Like it's just, it's just one conversation potentially that I can have. At the end of the day, when I go to sleep, like if you say no, like my life doesn't change, and I don't mean that like in a negative way, but when you when you start to realize like you you just you, no outcome right again, what I was talking about in sports, like Kobe like and Michael, like they're not worried about the outcome, so zero expectation number two is is no regret right it's it's that voice in your head when you're like, "Oh, I should ask Jason that uh no, don't ask him that he might he might think something wrong, like no regrets like and you do it in a respectful and like courteous way, right? Like it's not just like jumping down your throat and asking questions, like having a little buildup of like, Jason, here's why I'm going to ask this question. Like not sure how this is going to be. Have, suit, you right? of, just kind of have you heard of
0: re- uh, regret minimization? Uh. Uh-uh. So I love the, the no regrets sort of thing because yeah. uh, Jeff Bezos, he talked about this yeah. in an article It's like business insider or Forbes. Yeah. You got to look at, I think you really like it. He does this exercise and we, I do it with my wife, Sarah. Uh, uh, He calls it the regret minimization exercise. So the way he looks at a decision is, Mm -hmm. Hey, 10 years from now, if I'm looking back at this decision, would I regret doing this or regret not doing this? And Mm -hmm. it totally frames it in a different way. And it makes, it makes the answer really obvious when you look at it like that, because you're not thinking short term. The other thing yeah. too is have you, have you read thinking and bets with Annie Duke? Yeah.
1: I have not a couple of my um, couple of our coaches have and, and speak volumes about it.
0: Dude. It's a really good book. I have not read it. Yeah. Si- si- my wife, Sarah read it and she's a speed reader. so just, you give me the spark notes basically yeah. of it. If yeah. you remember spark notes back in the day. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But the, that's another really interesting thing too. It's, it's sort of, I would say, tangential to. Is that the word tangential? I always do this on the podcast. Not a, so. I'm not an Englishman, so um,
1: I'm the last it's, person. It's at, sort
0: of related to the regrets, but also another decision-making thing. Where it's like, "Would I bet five hundred thousand dollars on this?" And I don't know about you. That's a lot of money right. for me. You know. Yeah, um, so yeah, whatever yeah, that yeah, big yeah. amount of money is for you, if I had this yeah. in cash, would I? Would I bet on this being a good decision, or would I bet on this being something that I would not regret? Um, Right. Uh, so just because I wanted to stop you there and ask you a, another question around the regrets. Yeah. With this mindset yeah. thing, are you thinking, you made a sales example, but are you, are you also applying this sort of to your life in general too? Is that part of the mindset routine that you go through as not only as a salesperson and, and what you do for work, but also just in life in general?
1: So like as far as like the no regrets part or just like the mindset in general?
0: Yeah. When you say, uh, you know, part of my mindset stuff is no regrets. Are you just saying yeah. that specifically in a sales context or is that more no, I, in general?
1: In general, like, cause think about yeah. it. Right. And, and I still struggle with it. I, I'm, I think when you get to the point of like the self-awareness, right. Cause it's, it's easy to think like, Oh, I should have, I should have asked that question. And then mm. you don't really, you just kind of let it pass. Right. As opposed to if we're in a conversation and you say something And then I'm like, no regrets, no regrets. Then I'll ask. Whereas like in the past, I might just not ask it because I don't want to offend you. Right. Like I'm not sure how Jason's going to take it, but just think about like, I just don't, I don't want to leave a conversation or, or an experience with somebody and think like, oh man, like how could that have gone to your point? Like what would my, what would, you know, my 10 year old, you know, future self think, right? Yeah. Like you know what I mean? And, and again, that, that no regrets goes back to like that perspective. If I'm thinking about myself, I'm not going to ask the question, but if I'm thinking about you and how I potentially, potentially could help you with something, I'm going to ask the question yeah. because who am I thinking about? I'm thinking about you.
0: Yeah. This is something when we first talked that I, I was like, okay, cool. I like this guy, Tom, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, it was this it's, this zero expectations and then solving their problems is what I wrote down. Yeah. Is, is so cool because it totally relieves you of the burden of having to accomplish anything when you're prospecting or selling. You're just genuinely interested. I call it being you oriented where it's you yeah. as in the prospect and you're not even mm-hmm. thinking about a lot of this stuff. And do you find when you're teaching this stuff to your clients, like when you guys are rolling out these trainings and stuff, do you find that that kind of takes care of the what you say? Part of the sales process, a lot of it at least, where you don't really have to as think as much as... about the perfect thing to say because you're already thinking in terms of the prospect and less in terms of me. So instead of making a cold call and saying, "Hey, Tom, my name is Jason. By the way, I run a cool company called Blissful Prospecting. We can help you in this way, and this way, and this way," I wouldn't say that if I was thinking about Tom and Tom's problems. I just wouldn't. That wouldn't even come yep. to mind for me.
1: Yep. You know, this is this is a very timely conversation because in natural naturally, I am a perfectionist, right? So like, I want everything I say to be perfect. I want every, and that probably stems a lot from officiating, like that's Mm. kind of creeped over into, so now it's having the self-awareness to know, I don't have to be perfect in a conversation if my mindset is truly fixed on how and if I might be able to help this person. And when you can switch into that mindset, like you don't worry about like what you say and the words don't need to be perfect because it's not about me right? And it's just to see if I could potentially help you in something that you have. And I I also tell people all the time, I'm not in the assumption business. So I make no assumptions that, you know, I I say this now when I reach out to people, I'm not assuming this is a good time or bad time to talk because I don't know, right? Like you could be, a company could be thinking, hey, let's let's double down and we're going to use this opportunity to grow like crazy. And others might just be like, hey, we're not going to prospect. We're just going to like, but until I pick up the phone or send an email or have a conversation, how do I know that? Right. And like, shame on me for assuming that just because, you know, you turn on the news or something and, and it's like, woe is me. It's like, there's still businesses to run. Like there, people are still looking to grow their business and, and not everyone has this like hunker down mentality. Like just, just have a conversation, just be a human being.
0: Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah. So what are the, what are the I think you had two more Mindset things. Yeah,
1: two more. Yeah. So, yep. So, zero expectations, no regrets. Uh, the third one is uh, it doesn't mean anything yet, right? So, a lot of times in in a conversation, uh, I'm sure you hear this too. You you get introduced to somebody or or you reach out, and like the first thing they say is, "Well, we've been working with a, a sales coach for ten years." A lot of people will just, you know, kind of be like Eeyore and put their head down and like put their tail between their legs and be like, "Oh, this isn't an opportunity." And then on the flip side, you could say, you know, I reach out to you and you could say, oh, I'm, I'm just, I've been waiting to hear from somebody in, you know, sales coaching, like we could really use mail. Anytime you hear something, you just have to remind yourself, it doesn't mean anything yet. Because how many times have we had a conversation with someone and they say right out of the gate, hey, I just want to let you know, we do that in-house or uh, we've been working with a company. Uh, That's interesting, Jason. Like we just started talking, like, I'm curious what's on your mind. And then you start to have a conversation and like, that's not really what was on their mind. That's just like kind of what came to the surface and then vice versa. You can meet with somebody or have a conversation. And we've all been there where the first thing they say is like, Oh, we got to fix this problem. And then they disappear and you never hear from them again. So again, it's that neutral part that I talked about for elite people during the game, just staying neutral doesn't mean anything yet um, regardless of of what they say. Uh, And then the last one, and I, my opinion, I think this is where a lot of maybe younger salespeople who are just getting started struggle, and I've, I've heard some people on I think Sarah Drake was talking about this a couple of weeks ago is but big belief peer-to-peer, right? You've got to you're picking up the phone or sending an email because you know that what you do could potentially help someone, and you're not going to put anyone on a pedestal. Because they're a CFO and you're just uh, you know, a grunt man or whatever. Or if you're the CEO, I always, I always tell people, regardless if you are, like if I work for Blissful Prospecting, I am going to act like the CEO of Blissful Prospecting. And every day that I reach out to somebody, I'm going to have that CEO mentality of, no, no, this is my company. I'm going to own this. And the reason I'm calling is because I could potentially help you. I don't know that unless we have a conversation. And I know some of the problems you're going through, but having that peer-to-peer mentality of not putting someone on the pedestal that you're reaching out to, and I, hey, look, that's that's a real struggle of like, how do you, you know, you're 24 years old and it's your first sales job, and like, how do I call a CFO or you know, whoever you're, you know, you might be calling in in your space, but and and I think it really helped me from officiating that, you know, the rejection aspect and and just regardless of what anyone says on the phone or on email, like they could just be having a bad day. It doesn't like I've said some things I don't, <laughs> I'm not fond of. That's not indicative of my personality. I could just be having a bad day and you caught me at the wrong time, or I've gotten four or five other calls. And now you just happen to be number six and I'm going to take it out on you. So regardless of what anyone says, like peer to peer, like how they respond, like I can't control that. So that's not going to, that's not going to dictate how uh, my mood. And again, that's easier said than done. That has taken a lot of practice.
0: Well, and that's something that's interesting because from a prospecting standpoint, that's the position that a lot of BDRs and SDRs find themselves in is I'm prospecting to people that are 20, 30 years, my senior, what on earth could I possibly share with this person that they would find helpful? You know, and I think a large part of that is just thinking about what would be helpful too, but how can you practice that?
1: Right here. Well, I, I forgot this is a podcast. I'm pointing to my uh, head because you and I are, are seeing each other. He's pointing to the but, ceiling. That's your mindset. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeling, feeling. Um, that's your mindset. Like if you're yeah. going into, if you're starting your day and you're like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, how am I going to help this person? Like, you're already in your own head. You yeah. can't. And I heard something, I don't know if it was from a guest on your podcast. Or I heard it some, a lot smarter than me. But when you call someone like they're an expert in what they do. They're not an expert in what you do, right? So when you call, like you, Jason, like if you're calling someone about outbound prospecting and they're a SaaS company, like they're a SaaS company. They're not an expert in prospecting. I don't care what they write on their LinkedIn profile. Like that's, that's what you do, right? So I think people need to remind themselves too of like, this is what we do. And like, we're an expert, we're an expert in this. And like approach that mentality of like, they're an expert in like their silo, right? You don't know if you can help them. You, you might be able to potentially, but that's why you're having a conversation to determine how and if you might be able to help, help that person. So again, that again, repetition too, but just, just knowing like, Hey, if they're a financial advisor and you've got something like they're really good at managing money, they're not really good at everything else.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's so interesting. I didn't really start noticing that until we transitioned our business into more of training and coaching, you know, in the last year mm-hmm. and a half. And dude, I mean, there's companies, you know, big co- a big company for us is, you know, a SaaS company that's you know got a couple hundred employees and secured a hundred yeah. million dollar round. You know? Yeah. And I would look at those companies and be like, why on earth would they need my help? They have all this money. Um, yep. they have people with tons of experience. And every time I go into that company, I'm always you know pleasantly surprised that they don't know what the heck they're doing, just like every other company basically out there when it comes to this stuff what do you yep. what are your thoughts on do first believe second
1: mm. so there's a there's a book out there you'll see it when you believe it mm-hmm. by uh by Wayne Dyer and he talks about and and I think I struggled with this for a while. I'm not a big fan of of fake it until you make it. That's just me. Uh, that I'm like, I'm not a fan, but you have to believe my opinion. You have to believe it in your mind first, right back to, we can provide value. Obviously we're not going to help everyone, but you've got this mindset of, I believe we can help someone. Um, but you, you, you'll see it when you believe it. If you don't believe it, like that's going to affect your energy, right? Like if, if my mindset is, I don't know if I can help this person. And then I pick up the phone. Well, I'm not going to switch my <laughs> mindset in a second if you answer. And then the other thing is like, if, if you sit down and you're like about to make calls that day and you're like, no one's going to answer, you're going to be really surprised because no one's going to answer. Yeah. And if if you also have the mindset of like, no one's going to answer, no one's going to answer. And then someone does answer. You're going to be like, uh, 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 the, So again, back to your mindset, every single day, all I'm doing is starting a conversation with someone. This could be the person that, you know, we potentially help. And that's, that's my mindset every single day. Like, this is just a day for me to start a conversation. I'm not trying to set meetings. I'm not, I've got a goal. And then I put that goal on the shelf uh, at, at the beginning of the year. And then it's just staying in my process every single day with this mindset of, I'm going to see if I can start a conversation with somebody to see if we can possibly help help their help their business.
0: That's interesting. I always go back and forth on this do first, believe second thing because yeah, it's almost like which came first, the chicken or the egg? Because I think yeah, yeah. a lot of the belief comes from doing because mm-hmm. you look at weight loss, for example. You might mm-hmm. say, yeah, I want to lose 50 pounds and that seems really, oh my God, that's such a big goal. But as soon as you lose your first five, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. I did that in a couple of weeks. You know, if you, yeah, no, I agree. And then you, you get more a, confident from that. You know,
1: yeah, you build you build the small wins hmm. for sure. I think I think you can get small wins in your daily process though, right? Like if you're oh, yeah. if your goal is to set a meeting, right, and and you you go through your tasks and you don't set a meeting, does that mean that your day was a failure? Right, like. I I don't know, like for me, it wouldn't be because I know that I'm staying in my process and like, again, zero expectations of the outcome. It's just staying. But yeah, no, I agree. But I would, I would also argue that the person losing 50 pounds thinks to some extent, to some extent that they're going to lose 50 pounds. Like, I don't think, because if you just think I'm not going to lose weight and you just sit on the couch and don't do anything proactive, like you're not going to lose weight you might be thinking and have some doubt like, oh, I might be able to lose this weight. So yeah, I mean, that's a good, you know, there's definitely some, you know, psychology behind that. But there's, I, I believe it all starts in in yeah. your mind, just from personal experience. Yeah. It's very philosophical,
0: for sure. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, I like it.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't used to think this like in high school, playing sports, and I wish I had this mentality. But mm-hmm. I definitely am more on the, in the camp of the mindset being there and you believing Mm -hmm. that you can do it. And then the action is just so much easier that way. But I, so I really like all of this stuff. So this zero expectations around the outcome, no regrets, doesn't mean anything yet. And this peer to peer thing, how can, or what do you guys teach around like making the mindset stuff a habit? Like what is what is the habit? Is it what you talked about? Like, is it, you wake up in the morning and you see this stuff? Like how do you make sure that you're living this stuff? Cause it sounded like there was some almost like prompts that you give yourself when you recognize certain situations coming up where it's like, uh, Hey, no regrets, no regrets. I'm going to ask for this, you know, like that type of thing. Like, how do you make this stuff a habit?
1: You know, and I know we'll, we'll talk about this um, at the end um, with, you know, What's, what's the play of, of outreach, but really at the end of the day, Jason, and this is going to be very, a very boring answer, consistency. And I know like everyone's looking for like a, Ooh, and ah, like a really deep thing. But if you look at whether it's, it's sports or it's a, you know, a weight loss program or nutrition, the key to six, like you can go on a keto diet and lose weight. You can go on intermittent fasting and, and lose weight. You can, you can do all these different, no carb, high carb, low fat, you know, whatever but the key at the end of the day is consistency, yep. just showing up and, and like for, and it's going to be different for everyone. For me, um, I recorded it on my phone the, the the list that I read off to you so I can listen to it in the car. If I'm, if I'm driving somewhere, um, you know, to meet somebody, I can, I can listen to it in, in you know, in my car for me, it's reading it. Um, not to get too much in the weeds, like meditation at the beginning of the day has really helped me just get a clear head for the day. And, and, really think about all the things that that we had talked about earlier but it's just it's repetition and it's consistency it's you know kobe was a fanatic about just constantly practicing his craft right and it's Annie. it's funny you brought up thinking of bets because annie duke talks about in the book um and i'll probably butcher the story because i haven't read it but just from hearing you know she talks about the um the patriots and seahawks uh the super bowl play right? Now, you know, they throw it and, and the Patriots intercept it. Now, does that make it a bad play just because of the outcome? What if they would have scored on that play, right? Yeah. Like, then everybody's talking about it a completely different, right? So, to me, it's just, hey, if, if you know, I try to adopt a mindset and something doesn't work on the first day, like, it doesn't mean it doesn't work, right? And, and vice versa. If it does and I, and I get two meetings... Like that doesn't mean anything like you just, it's, it's repetition and it's consistency. And I know some people are going to be like, well, that's boring. I was looking for like the, the secret sauce. That's the secret sauce is consistency and constantly just showing up. That's, that's really what it is. That's, that's where the elite separate. Cause the, the really good will try something and then realize, no, I don't need to, or, you know, I've been successful, Jason, like, why do we need outbound prospecting, right? Like, we've we've grown three to 5% the last five years, like, why do we need your help, right? But the elite realize, like, there's always opportunities to, to learn. And it's consistent, consistent, consistent.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like the practical yeah. part of this is writing it down, uh, looking at it every day, um, yeah. recording a voice memo, listening to it.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, I really like stuff. I this try stuffing. to consume it from I consume it from uh, all different angles, right? Like I've got, I I always see it. Um, I'm going to mention another book. I I don't read as many as Morgan. I heard he read 250 books in one year. I'm not on that level, but (laughs) uh, um, David Goggins can't hurt me. uh, Mm -hmm. He had an accountability mirror and he would have post-its up there, right? So I, just the more you see it, because you're going to, it's just going to be a constant reminder and it's going to, it's then going to seep in your subconscious and not just on your conscious level. So like, you know, to your point earlier, you mentioned, what would my 10 year self think? If you constantly have this 10 year vision in your head, and you're just constantly thinking about that, and 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 really like, like really thinking about it, you're going to start to act towards that 10 year person. And things are going to start to show up in your life now, because you are already thinking about what your future self can be. And so Again, just repetition and, and and consistency.
0: Love it, all right, yeah. man. So, a couple of questions here before you take off. Uh, first one yeah. is: Do you have a favorite prospecting play? You know that you like to to run to get a hold of someone or to get in contact with someone that might not know who you are.
1: Yeah. So, again, not going to be as exciting as some others. Um, for us, it's it's just consistency, right? But like the buyer today. You know, we always talk about, and it's going to be different in every industry. But if you if you take ten prospects, and it's different in every industry, but we we find about two out of ten have already made the decision that they're going to change to what you do. It might not be specifically you, but they've already made that decision of hey, we're going to change. So it's like, what are you doing with the other eight conversations? Like they haven't made a decision to change, but given the right, um, it's kind of you don't know what you don't know, but they're open to learning. Like what are you doing with those eight? Right, so for me, it's it's a long term. Like, I see some of these companies who like their cadence and like they're successful. Like, it's it works for them in the industries we we interact. Like, it's it's not for us. Like this, like email day one, call day one afternoon, LinkedIn day two. It's like, oh my gosh, I it's I intense. get busy. Yeah, so, yeah. So for for me, for us, what we coach is like every two weeks. Um, I'll I'll tinker with it, but it's it's probably going to be um, and reply method email there you uh, go on touch one uh, <laughs> <laughs> plugged uh blissful prospecting um, a, a, an email not hyper personalized but relevant in their world, and I might share an article that we wrote um, that 's relevant to them, right, and two weeks down the road, I might send another article here 's something you might find valuable based on your role, um, no assumptions that you know your team is bumping into this then you know two weeks after that it, might be a phone call. Um, usually it's, it's a couple touches, whether, you know, LinkedIn or email. Um, but then it's, it's just picking up the phone and it's, it's leaving a voicemail every single time. If you get a voicemail, because again, you're peer to peer. If you, if a CEO is calling another CEO, he's leaving a voicemail again, not because he, he knows he can help them or telling them that they have a problem, but it's, that's not the purpose of my call. The purpose is to determine how and if we might be able to, you know, provide value. So I'm always leaving voicemails um, because, I mean, you know, like people are getting a lot of emails, like how many people are really leaving voicemails? And so just every little touch point that you can have, it's just another, you know, nugget in their mind. so maybe, maybe right now they're not in need of what you do, but two years from now, you've been consistent and you've been showing up and it's like, hey, gonna give Jason a call. He's not pushy. He's not, you know, calling me three times a week. Um, He's leaving a voicemail, right? Like to me, I'm always like, why wouldn't you leave a voicemail? Like you have something potentially valuable to offer. So it's usually about five or six touches and then move them to like every quarter. Um, So again, nothing, nothing fancy, nothing special, nothing, no secret sauce. It's just, it's just consistency and, and constantly showing up and providing value.
0: Love it, man. And, uh, yeah. before you take off, where's the best place to connect yeah. with you? Like, what do you want people to check out?
1: Yeah. So we just, we just, redid our website. So lapin180.com, you can, you can check us out there. Um, you know, Tom short on, on LinkedIn. I know we just, um, we just started Instagram and, and Facebook as well. Um, so you can all lap 180, check us out there. Um, and yeah, that's, that's about it.
0: There you have it. Another interview in the books. My favorite thing that Tom shared was it doesn't mean anything yet. And this is something that I've actually dealt with recently with all the coronavirus type of stuff is I'm sure you've noticed it too. Deals are a little bit harder to come by right now, depending on what you're selling. And people tend to be a little more unsure about whether or not they want to move forward. And there's been a few times where I've just been so sure that we were going to get a deal and it didn't go through. And that might've made me a little complacent. So stay hungry and Make sure that at the very beginning, no matter how good or bad it seems, it doesn't mean anything yet. So I really like that. One quick thing, had a quick favor before you take off. If you could leave us a quick five-star review on the show, if you dig it, be honest with the review. You can go blissfulprospecting.com slash iTunes. It really helps to get more exposure for the show so we can continue getting great guests for you. This podcast is something uh, that we do completely free, and I want to keep doing that not have sponsors on the show or anything like that. So if you could help us out, leave her a quick review. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.